Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, and this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who has somehow never seen The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files spoiler-free. Today, we are talking about Season 3, Episode 9, Nisei. It originally aired November 24th, 1995. It was written by Chris Carter, Howard Gordon, and Frank Spotnitz. So many people. So many people. Usually that's not a good sign. No, it usually is not. Directed by David Nutter, who's been doing some really good work lately. It's true. The word Nisei. Oh, you looked it up? I did. Good job. Me too. It means an American who was born to Japanese immigrants. Okay, I got second generation. Nisei means second generation in North America and South America. Okay. Just to expand on it in case it's more. All right, you ready for the cast? Sure. We have Stephen McCaddy as the red-haired man. The red-haired man, okay. What is? Which one was the red-haired man? This is why you're going to love this. Okay. He also played Grant Mazzy in Pontypool. Shut up. Because everyone needs to be reminded of Pontypool. <laughs> wow. So I was sitting here thinking that we'd seen him in the X-Files before. And no, we saw him in Pontypool. In Pontypool, yes. Wow. Yep. Okay. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I feel kiss about it. All right. Raymond J. Berry as Senator Richard Matheson. He was also Harrison Catham in 13 Reasons Why, which is a TV show you should only watch if you want to feel a lot of big feelings and none of them are positive. Yeah, I'll pass. I will just watch him as Arlo Givens in Justified. I knew he looked familiar. I was like, he's somebody else, but I saw this and wanted to say that. We have Robert Ito as Dr. Takio Ishimuro. He was also Professor Hikita in The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across <laughs> yes. the Eighth Dimension. Nice. Which I had to include because, holy hell, what a fantastic name. And he was a voice on Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego? Hmm. I see. Did you ever watch that? Mm, okay. I'm, I, I'm aware of it. I didn't know. I have Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego in my head at least once a week <laughs> now. That's weird because it's Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Still. We also have Stephen Williams as X, and I included him, even though we've seen him before, because he was Cowboy in Yellowstone. <laughs> okay. And I just wanted to bring up Yellowstone because I went there recently and have some insight into how people who live in the area feel about the TV show. I can't imagine they feel good about it. They do not. Yeah, the bad guys in the TV show are like the parks department, <laughs> the local American Indians, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, just like the folks who live around Yellowstone are like, oh yeah, no, it's a show about the bigwigs who came in and bought out all of the ranchers and also because the ranchers also bought out all of the native americans and then they just spent money to pretend they were ranchers and that's what the show's about and we don't really like it and yeah. i was like glad i didn't watch it before i came out here mm -hmm. 
And before we get into it, we have a little bit of story development. Oh. The idea to create a story involving the 731 unit came from creator Chris Carter. He noted, quote, Unit 731 came to my attention when I read about it in the New York Times about what the Japanese did to prisoners of war during the Second World War, unquote. So here's a little bit of history about what Unit 731 was. Oh, no. It's short. I broke it up. Unit 731 was a covert biological and chemical warfare research and development unit of the Imperial Japanese Army that engaged in lethal human experimentation and biological weapons manufacturing during the Second Sino-Japanese War, 1937 to 1945, and World War II. It was responsible for some of the most notorious war crimes committed by the Japanese armed forces. Unit 731 routinely conducted tests on human beings who were dehumanized and internally referred to as quote-unquote logs. Experiments included disease injections, controlled dehydration, hypobaric chamber experiments, biological weapons testing, vivisection, amputation, and weapons testing. Victims included babies, children, and pregnant women. Chris Carter decided that an episode based around former war criminals who had received clemency so Americans could use their science would be interesting. Yeah, he likes that because he did it with Operation Paperclip earlier this season. In Knoxville, Tennessee, a mysterious train car is left in a rail yard. Yes. (laughs) Production note, Chris Carter explained, quote, We found that we were going to have some trouble shooting with trains. Oh, did you? So we get into it, and I said, what is this music? You did. You said that out (laughs) loud. After dark, a group of Japanese scientists enter the car and conduct an autopsy on an alien body. The scene is recorded and transmitted via satellite. And then I said, what are these masks, and how do I get them? Yeah, they're nice. I also said that out loud. You did. Here's a bit of trivia. And I agreed, because... We're probably going to need them. I agree. Shortly. Here's a bit of trivia. That's not as upsetting as the 731 trivia I just said. Well, that was history. An 11-year-old boy played the alien in the autopsy scene. Oh, that's kind of nice. They don't name him. (laughs) Still kind of fun for him. Fun or boring, but I hope he got paid. Get paid, 11-year-old. Wait, in the autopsy scene? Yeah. I don't even know why they needed a person in that suit. Me neither. Suddenly... A strike team storms the car and kills the scientists. Closed caption says, shouts in Japanese. I understand why the closed captions don't say what they're saying in Japanese, because the audience isn't supposed to know. If the audience was supposed to know, there'd be a translation on the screen. I agree, but I also wanted to know. Taking the alien corpse away in a body bag. Production note, real military personnel were used in the scene to solidify that the X-Files wants to maintain that it is mostly logical and in the real world. I see. It's nuts. Mulder purchases an edited video of the autopsy. Well, first we get a pan of him with his feet up on the desk and I want to know what brand of shoes they are. Oh, okay. They had fancy heels. I liked them. Hmm. What do you think they were? I don't know. It looked like a Z though, so I'm thinking... Z Cavaricci? <laughs> that was one of the things that popped in my head. Another one was just Zappos. Well, Zappos is not a, a brand, brand of shoes. 
But, you know, like Payless has their own brand. Maybe Zappos has their own brand. True. Back in 1995? Well before it existed. Hmm. I don't know. You could probably find it on a forum. Mm. Well, you could probably also find where Mulder purchases the edited video of the autopsy for twenty nine ninety nine plus shipping. Yeah, I really appreciated that. That took too. me back. I thought that was pretty great. Scully comes in and she's like, what are you watching? And I was like, of course she has to ask what he's watching because it's always porn. I don't think I've seen him watch porn at work. I've seen him look at magazines at work. I haven't seen him watch porn videos at work, but he has a whole drawer of porn videos that we've already established. Oh, did we? Yes. And he's always watching something upsetting. It's true. So if it's not accidental porn that you're walking into, which, look, watch porn if you want to watch porn. You don't want to accidentally walk into porn. Yeah, don't watch porn at work. Right. And also, don't make your colleagues walk in on you watching porn. Accidental porn is like accidental penis. Nobody wants it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And if you would like me to explain accidental penis, let me know. It's in the name. (laughs) It's awful. But, yeah, she's like, oh, this isn't your normal... What did she say? Entertainment. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. This is not your normal entertainment. So he's like, no, I bought this from somewhere. But she says, it's worse than the 1995 alien autopsy video, which was played by Fox. <laughs> that aired on the Fox network, she yes. says. And so here's a little bit of insight into that. So the criticism that she's talking about is something that Fox actually played. Yes, I remember it. And then they played it again the same night that they aired this episode. Hilarious. It turns out that the alien autopsy video was made by Ray Santilli, a British video producer. But after they aired the X-Files episode, Fox ended up re-airing the alien autopsy video the night... F- oh, I'm sorry, not the same night, the night following the, the episode's original air date. I just think it's funny that the Fox Network exists in the X-Files universe. Yeah. It's like when in the Star Trek reboot with Chris Pine, they're listening to the Beastie Boys. Uh. So the Beastie Boys exists in that universe, but they have a lyric that is like a pinch on the neck from Mr. Spock. So it's very strange. Mm. Very circular. Circular. Chris Pine is not my Chris, and the Beastie Boys are not my boys. Okay. Which one's your Chris? I don't think I have a Chris. Sorry. Evans, I guess? I feel like that has to be the answer at this point. I don't like it. I don't want Chris Evans to be my Chris. What about Hensworth? He's got that Shark Network video. Yeah, but what if it's... What if it's bad, like the Megalodon still exists? Yeah, I agree. I'm pretty upset about it without ever having watched it. (laughs) Well... I think we can agree that Chris Pratt is not our Chris. Yeah, definitely not. Right. Well, as long as we can agree that one Chris is not our Chris. Not a fan of Evans, really, either. Has he done anything as bad as Chris Pratt? He likes signing bombs. What? Mm Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Like, literally, that's exactly what it is. He autographs bombs. To where? To drop on people and kill them. What? Yeah, he's a big military guy. Yay, military. And then he says, you know, it's wrong for other countries to invade other countries. Which, yes, it is. But then you can't also sign bombs that get dropped on people. Him as a human being is doing that? Yes. You're going to have to show me some 
Okay. Yikes. I mean, what do you expect? Right, he's a liberal. Isn't he also Captain America? He is Captain America. Right, yeah. what do you expect? Say a lot of things and then sign bombs that get dropped on people. Yikes. Have no real <laughs> beliefs. Yeah, that's what I expect. Editor's note, she sprung this question on me and I wasn't quite ready for it. So I answered Evans because Cap is my favorite of the MCU Avengers. But Evans himself, but obviously the answer is Farley. Chris Farley is my Chris. Who else could it be? I'm in my mid-40s. When the agents go to Allentown, Pennsylvania to track down the distributor of the tape, they find the distributor murdered. Uh, Before they go in, Mulder says, I hope they didn't let the rat out, and he points at something, and they don't show you what he points at. Yeah, I don't know what they're talking about. If anybody knows what they're talking about, tell us. Because I looked for a couple of things, and I didn't look specifically for, I hope they let the rat out, quote unquote, but... I didn't see any other reference to it besides him saying that. Yeah, I have no idea. Something got cut out or what, but it was weird, and I don't know what they're talking about. At the scene, they pursue and capture a Japanese man. During the chase, I wrote, I'm glad he's not a martial artist. Oh, that's true. Until he gets cornered, and then he becomes a martial artist. Did he? Yes. Then I wrote, never mind. Okay. Kazu... Sakurai, um, who is identified as a high-ranking diplomat, but not immediately later. Yeah, he kicks Mulder's ass, knocks his gun out of his hand. Mulder grabs his ankle gun and says, I got tired of losing my gun. And I was like, well, thank you guys for acknowledging this. That's actually written in some of the trivia. Oh. <laughs> that I was not sure where it was supposed to go in this initially when I was prepping my notes because I prep my notes before I watch. Sorry, peek behind the curtain. But I gotta figure out if I can watch this episode or not. (laughs) And yeah, they wrote that in because Mulder keeps losing his gun. They both do. Well, apparently on the message boards at the time, people were talking about how often Mulder loses his gun, (laughs) so they actually wrote it in. That's funny. I'm glad it's being acknowledged. And it's not me 20 years later screaming (laughs) at a wall. 20? Yes. (laughs) The 90s were 20 years ago. All right. All right. Skinner appears and orders Sakurai released. Before doing so, Mulder searches his briefcase, which he did not turn into the authorities, and finds both a list of Mutual UFO Network, which for all of us who don't know what that means, it's MUFON. (laughs) What? Members and satellite images of a ship. Then we go to the lone gunman office, and I left to go put on a vest. Well, Scully asks Mulder what he's going to do, and he says, I'm going to do what I meant to, or what I was told to do, and go home. So that's when he he takes off and leaves her with the briefcase, and she says, are you really going to pursue this? And he said, well, I paid for the videotape, which I really appreciated, because $30 in 1995 money? I'm not going to pay for a videotape now. Well, yeah, it'd be pointless now. We don't have a VCR. I mean, I'm not going to pay for a whole movie now. I'm sure you wouldn't. But I paid $30 for a VHS copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special in the late 90s. Oh, that doesn't surprise me, even a little bit. Well, yeah, why would it? I wish you still had it, though. I'm sure I do. It's probably in a box somewhere next to my sea monkeys. No, I found your sea monkeys today. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was thinking it's probably next to those. There's some Star Wars stuff next to your sea monkeys, but not a... 
Oh my god, there was a videotape next to the Sea Monkeys. Yeah, but it was a Star Wars holiday special. Holy shit, it might be the VHS tape. <laughs> I literally just found it today. Yeah, I bet. Oh god. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> okay. Wow. Just wow. Alright, what else were you... Oh, that's... Yeah, we can go to Lone Gunman, your favorite guys now. Since well, you're dressed like one. I did. I saw the Lone Gunman come onto the screen and immediately left to go find a vest and found a vest that was as close as possible to one of the Lone Gunmen, and now I am wearing it. And the Lone Gunman identified the ship as the Talapus, a salvage vessel docked in Newport News, Virginia, which is always funny to me because Newport News, I know, is an actual place, but kind of like I didn't think Maryland was a place when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like Newport Cigarettes yeah. was a thing, but Newport News wasn't a thing. Newport News, Virginia, and... Chevy Chase, Virginia. Editor's note, it is Chevy Chase, Maryland. That's the one that always gets me. Oh, is that a place, too? Yeah, that's a place, too. Chevy Chase, Virginia. Well, was it named after him, or was he named after it? I have no idea. All right, I've well, never looked it up. Well, you've still not admitted ever to not believing an entire state was a place, which no. I have on this podcast. Yes, because so, you're brave. I am brave. Look at me. Look at me. I'm being brave in my little vest here good job it's got pockets yeah i don't know if i'd call it little vest it's a giant vest but it has pockets so it's definitely made for a man and fuzzy it is it's very fuzzy well meanwhile sakurai is killed by an assassin called the red-haired man the guy from body pool yes (laughs) which also if you watch this episode he does not speak and oh that's why i was confused that that he was a red-haired man yeah yeah, it's, it's okay that he doesn't speak. He doesn't have red hair. So I had to look it up later, because I was like, I think this is who we're talking about. Now I'm looking at his picture. This is definitely the guy. I'm also looking at him. He does not have red hair. No. This vest is so hot. <laughs> I'm sure it is. It's like polyester constantly. The ship that's currently docked in Newport News left out of San Diego. They were looking for Japanese World War II gold. And I put, yikes. That's not good. Japanese World War II gold. What would that be specifically? Editors note, this is not nearly as bad as I was thinking was going to be. I actually looked up what World War II Japanese gold would be and found some, I don't know, somewhat interesting stuff. It seems that a Japanese general, Yamashita, is alleged to have stolen a lot of gold from the southeastern asia campaign uh theater during world war ii and hid it in the philippines so this seems to be more of a like a myth or a legend rather than nazis stealing gold from people the way they did it's not nearly as bad as i was thinking there's a lot of stuff on the history channel which needs to change its name because it doesn't do anything real anymore and daily mail and the uk sun and stuff like that about People keep finding the treasure of Yamashita, but nobody's actually proven that it's real. And it's mainly, you know, rag magazines that keep saying that people have found it. So, probably not real. Not a real thing. But not nearly as bad as I was thinking it was going to be. Scully investigates the MUFON group, discovering several women who claim to recognize her from her abduction experience, which I find fascinating they do the whole one of us one of us google gobble google gobble 
And I find it fascinating that the previous episode was all about women being abducted, and they decided to ignore that Scully had already been abducted. Yeah. And she was not going to have any sort of feelings about it. I wrote a note about that. And then the next episode, they're like, oh, yeah, and she was abducted, and so we, you know, like, have her and women and girl power and shit. (laughs) Our support group. Yeah. I find that fucked up. I was wondering if they purposefully left it out of the last episode because they knew they were dealing with it in this episode they absolutely did not because this episode was supposed to be before the last episode but because it was so hard to figure out because of the train situation originally it was written as a single episode and became two episodes Mm. because of the train stuff that happens they moved it past what they were already talking about and it was going to be it was they were thinking about scrapping it, and it was this whole situation. So, the answer is no. Hmm. I wouldn't have been on board with the decision if that's what it was. I didn't think so. I'm just letting you know that, uh, no. No okay. credit goes to anybody. Okay. <laughs> All right, so they have the women that Scully meets because of the MUFON group. She's going to look for a specific woman, and everybody descends on this house. And she finds out that all of these people have also... All of these people, one, are women, and all of these people, two, have been air quotes abducted, and mm-hmm. all of these women, three, have had implants implanted, I don't know another word for implanted, <laughs> implants implanted, into their necks, and now they are all dying of cancer. Now, do you know why I think it's odd that they are all women? No. The only reason Dana Scully got abducted is because Dwayne Barry swapped her out for him. So they absolutely abduct men. Cause they Not anymore. Starting with Dana Scully. There are no men in this group. There aren't. Which is weird because the only reason Scully got abducted is because Dwayne Barry made a trade. I don't think they remember that. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. They also mention fucking regression hypnosis. Oh yeah, I did not do a science corner on it because I'm tired of it. Yeah, they do a phone call chain because there's only two ladies there at the beginning and then they call everybody and get everybody over. And then Scully's like, I don't want to talk about this. Well, then why did you wait two hours for everybody to get there and then sit and listen to them? (laughs) Because, Because in 1995, Chris Carter et al. did not believe that women actually worked. So they were all actually available and ready to show up. So it would actually, in their mind, it was she waited 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Mulder goes to Newport News shipyard and searches the Talibus. He sees a, a ship in dry dock first called the Ocean Wrestler, which I thought this is just a fantastic name, so I had to write it down. Ooh, it's the ocean wrestler. You know what? I was going to say something. across the sea. Yeah. I was going to say something absurd, but actually I think that would tickle me if I walked along <laughs> anywhere where boats were docked and saw that. I'd be like, I like it. It's better than all of these other names. You hear that ocean? I'm going to go up to the top rope. And I'm going to bring the elbow down on top of you. And I'm going to pin you one, two, three. The cream of the crop. <laughs> 
You know Hulk Hogan? Yeah, if he wants to keep an eye on me, don't look behind you, Hulk Hogan. No, don't look in front. Don't look to the sides. Look straight up, because I'm right on top of you. Yeah. Uh -oh. Ooh, yeah. Armed men arrive and scour the ship. They do a shot where they pan and they linger on this axe for so oh, long. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. I wrote down Chekhov's axe because I was convinced they were making sure you saw this thing. But it wasn't Chekhov's axe because it wasn't the first act. I can call anything a Chekhov thing if I want. I have poetic license. Are you a poet? I have it in my wallet. It's a poetic license. Can I see it? Yes. Holy shit, you do have a poetic license. <laughs> wow. That was amazing acting, by the way. Armed men arrive and scour the ship. Which, oh. the word scour makes me think that they are using, like, um... Scrubbing bubbles. Yes, scrubbing bubbles and, um, steel wool. Yeah. On top of Chekhov's axe, when there's a shot of Mulder's profile in the mirror, there's clearly somebody behind him. Yes. It could be real creepy if... It was meant to be, but it, it was, was just a key grip or something. It was still creepy. Yeah. Because you're like, did you see that? And I was like, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm in nothing. <laughs> it was great. Motor room man manages to escape. The quietest splash I have ever not heard in my life. It was like if you were on a ship and you threw a chicken breast into the ocean. <laughs> you said that, and now I'm going to ask you the question. Cooked or raw? Raw. Raw chicken. I, I think that would be quieter. I don't know why I think that, but I think that would be quieter. Just a small slap. <laughs> why is that what I imagined when it happened? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows, but now you all get to imagine it. A raw chicken. Lucky, lucky us. <laughs> Slapping the ocean. Oh, that was too loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god. That night, he discovers, Mulder discovers, a warehouse where a craft is being fumigated by a hazmat team. So how long did he stay under the water? Because he Four does not climb out years. until it's dark. Who knows? It doesn't matter because nobody knows what time anything is in this. <laughs> there's a lower third, but there's never dates or times. Not it's just now. where you're at. Yeah. No. And when they were fumigating the craft, I was like, I said, is that a whale? I 100% did not recognize it as a spacecraft. Oh, no, me neither. I can't remember if they mention it later in the episode or if you told me. Maybe I did? You may have told me that. That's what it was. But I did say, is that a whale? You did say it, yes. But it made me think of the, um, the Atlanta Aquarium. Mm, the whale sharks. And all of the whale sharks. That was fun. It was fun, but also, if you know the history of the whale sharks in the Atlanta Museum, it's, I mean, aquarium, it's not great. Well, damn. We did not see the first whale sharks that were... Uh, I see. Situated there. But they were amazing. It's hard. Life is hard, guys. <laughs> the more you know... It's impossible to be a responsible consumer in capitalism. It is. It's very hard. Mulder discovers the craft to be of alien origin. Which, did he go get closer to it? I, I don't, don't understand how he figured that out. I don't either. He decides that the craft is of alien origin and it was recovered by the Talibus, but I don't know how any of that happened. Because we we see him on the ship, we see him jump into the water, we see him show up at a place all wet and seeing them with a craft. It's something but, behind tarps. No, right, I but never, in a warehouse. In a warehouse. I never saw what it was. It was just a... I couldn't tell what it was. It was a blob. It was a blob of a thing. 
Yeah, I don't know how he discovers that it's of alien origin and that also that it was recovered by the Talapus. They don't... Well, they hypothesize that the Talapus recovered something that wasn't World War II gold. Right. And that's why they went to Newport News. Do you know how many things are not World War II gold? It's got to be at least 80% of things. (laughs) At least. (laughs) Skinner later confronts Mulder over the briefcase, which we've all forgotten about at this point. I noticed something for the first time here. Did you know that Mulder's apartment is the answer? The answer. The answer to everything. Life, the universe, everything. It's 46. 42. 42. His apartment is 42. I never noticed that before. No, I did not. It's got to be a shout out, right? Yes. Has to be. I believe it has to be. No, I've never noticed that, which is odd. I wonder if it's always been 42. Or just, they just decided it, maybe? Huh. This is when... Mulder shows up and you're like, is this Mulder's apartment or did they toss Mulder's apartment? Is this how he lives? I actually think they tossed it because in every other shot, he's never doing anything in his apartment besides that one episode where he was looking for bugs. Yeah, Skinner says, do you think they found what they were looking for? Right, so So they definitely definitely tossed it. And at one point, Mulder says, do you think I can clean up? Because he tells him what to do. You better go find that briefcase and everything you mind if I tidy up first? Right. And Mulder's such a snitch here. He's like, Skinner, I can't give you the briefcase. Scully has it. It's not like I don't have the briefcase anymore. It's literally Scully has it. My partner, mm-hmm. you know, the tiny woman who's been abducted by aliens already, he gave it to her. And so Skinner's like, where is she? And he's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Mom. The absence of the briefcase has apparently caused an international incident with Japan. And and Skinner says something at one point where he's, he's like, did you know it was so-and-so? And Mulder's like, I didn't get his name because he was kicking my ass. Which I do appreciate. But also, Mulder's caused an international incident. So let's be honest, Mulder is a relatively low-level FBI agent causing an international incident. I don't know why they wouldn't just give him up. Right. Well, no, I take it back. That kind of thing probably happens more often than we realize. I need them to clarify this because this isn't the only time. Mulder is a low level, literally in the basement, joke <laughs> of an FBI agent who has caused multiple international incidents. And now we are in the third season and he's causing another one. And when else did he cause? They better tie this together and explain why everyone is protecting Mulder, and I don't think that they will. Well, we know why the cigarette smoking organization was protecting him. Because of his dad? Either that or the smoking man just said, I like you. I don't think that's enough to protect him. I think it's enough for the cigarette smoking organization to protect him. I don't. I do. Well, I don't. Well, I do. Well, I don't. Disagree to disagree. Well... I think you're going to feel better at the end of this whole situation because I think your explanation is going to be the only explanation. (laughs) Skinner refuses to assist Mulder any further in this case, which is a recurring theme, and I can't remember another time Skinner has actually helped Mulder. (laughs) He beat up X to get the location of the submarine in the Arctic. Right, because Mulder was going to die. And... At the beginning of this season, he helped with the smoking man and the code that got downloaded. The code that got downloaded. Yeah, they printed out a copy and then 
Right. Skinner didn't know how to open PDF. Right. I feel like most of the time Skinner's around, he's not helping. Yeah, I can think of those two Mulder. situations. Okay. <sighs> All right. Well, <laughs> I said that it's Skinner not helping Mulder is a recurring theme, like Scully being wrong and damseled and Mulder losing his gun and falling and and failing to stand up to authority figures when Scully is around. <laughs> <laughs> she can do it. She's better at this than I am. I don't know. You're in charge here, so I can't say anything. Mulder meets with Senator Richard Matheson, who gives him the details on the autopsy and links it with the larger conspiracy of the alien-human hybrids. He says, allow me to earn your trust with the truth. And I wrote, trust no one. It's the whole treatise of this series, is trust no one. Mulder investigates further, discovering that the Japanese scientists were members of the notorious Unit 731 during World War II. Like Victor Klemper, they were recruited by the U.S. government to develop hybrids. I'm going to repeat that in case anybody missed it. They were recruited by the U.S. government to develop hybrids. Mulder believes that the scientists killed on the videotape were working on a secret railway transporting test subjects. So here's a little bit more history. While Unit 731 researchers arrested by Soviet forces... What a coincidence. I'm wearing my DJ Stalin t-shirt. ...were tried at the December 1949 Khabarovsk war crime trials. Those captured by the United States were secretly given immunity in exchange for the data gathered during their human experiments. The United States covered up the human experimentations and handed stipends to the perpetrators on trial. The Americans co-opted the researchers' bioweapons information and experience for use in their own biological warfare program, much as they had done with German researchers in Operation Paperclip. USA. All the way. After sharing her MUFON findings with Mulder, Scully runs her implant through the FBI labs to gather technological information about it. They're talking and Scully says something about, until I find out what this is. You've had a year. You have had a year to figure out what this is. And I believe they mentioned that it's a computer chip at the time. Yeah. I think one of the downsides of watching all of this back to back to back is we don't forget that. Yeah, I think but, you're right. I think that because when they said that, I was like, you've already run this through the FBI database. Yeah. You, they've already looked at it and said, that's a computer chip. Hard to remember when you, it's a literal year ago. True. Oh, when they're talking about the chip, mm-hmm. Mulder says the alien-human hybrid thing, and Scully again says, that's pure fantasy, Mulder. She gets mad at him. She's seen them. She saw a gang of them run past her and knock her flashlight out of her hand. Yeah, he does mention that. Her skepticism, as I predicted, is getting infuriating. Yes, and there was a note about it that I didn't put in here, but it was basically, oh yeah, this whole episode is so that we can reset her skepticism. It's like, we've never not had her skepticism, and it's always been a problem. Yeah. Not in the way that being a skeptic is a problem, but being that she has literally seen this stuff happen, and you're still writing her as if she has no idea what's going on. It's getting, it's real frustrating, because... They should have kept her away from all of the proof if they're going to keep her as the skeptic. Right. You can't have her hanging out with alien-human hybrids 
eight episodes ago and now not believing they exist. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's not enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I guess I should say I did like the episode. <laughs> but I, I think it should have been much shorter than it was. There, the, the problem is Scully can't keep being a skeptic like this. No, and they're writing her terribly. They're not doing her any favor. What's his face? Uh, the fluke man. Didn't he play the fluke man? The guy who was in the suit? Yes. Yeah. The brother of the guy. Right, yeah. Morgan. Darren Morgan. Right, right, he wrote, right. He wrote her pretty well. Yeah, it's wild because we get one or two episodes where someone writes her as an actual human being and then the rest of them are like, I don't know, she has boobs, so she probably is stupid. Who knows? She's expendable. I don't know. But this also brought me to, this is supposed to be one of the alien episodes, but we're finding out that it isn't aliens. It's Nazi doctors and Nazi doctors are experimenting on aliens and maybe also Humans and aliens. Humans and also maybe aliens or humanoid subjects. Either way, all the bad stuff has nothing to do with aliens being involved. It has everything to do with Nazis. But then they do put an alien onto the train. I don't think that's supposed to be an alien-human hybrid. I think it's supposed to be the alien that they're getting the DNA from. Maybe, but... Because it didn't look like a hybrid. But what the hell is this whole series trying to tell us? I think Chris Carter just finds the whole World War II and us letting the scientists off the hook compelling, which it is, depending on your point of view. It's compelling and a holy crap, I can't believe we did this way. But, you know, some people are like, holy crap, that's awesome. I feel like he's a holy crap, it's awesome kind of I hope, person. I, I hope not. I have well, not. I've literally not watched any interviews with him no anything about this i don't know anything about him either i'm watching the x-files and seeing how inspired by nazi torture and the u.s letting off the people who are doing the incredible torment off because the u.s wants to have that information because then they can be like well we didn't actually do it but like yeah. We think that it's really super cool that you did. But our protagonists are not on that side. So. But what side are they on? The truth. Don't we already know that Nazis are bad yeah. in 1995? Yes. I definitely did. I mean, apparently in 2022, we're having a whole resurgence of are they or aren't they. <laughs> but that's absurd. Well, so. Scully gives Clipper the business. She lets her have it. I can't decide what this show wants us to think they think. A lot of times I'm with you on that. Uh, I think that since the protagonists are on the side of Nazis bad, the show is on the side of Nazis bad. All right. Well, meanwhile, Mulder goes to West Virginia and tracks down the secret train car, watching a group of Japanese men place what seems to be an alien subject on board. Meanwhile, another Japanese scientist, Dr. Shirozama, waits for the train at a station in Ohio. He is forced to board after his bodyguard is killed by the red-haired man in the restroom. The red-haired man follows Zama aboard the train, which is headed for Vancouver, Canada. Cheaper to shoot there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is where I, I had in my notes that Scully sees the doctor on the videotape, which makes me wonder, why didn't Mulder recognize him from the picture? Mulder's watched the videotape first. And he has the inability to forget things. I don't know. Right? The inability to forget things seems like it would be a blessing and a curse, and Mulder's not using it in either way. Hmm. 
Mulder tracks the train to the Ohio station, but learns it has just left when he arrives. Fortunately, when he asks the ticket counter where the train is, and she says, it's already left, he says, are you serious? And she's like, yes. And he's like, okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a panicked but good interaction. Yeah. It was one of those where you're like, Mulder, don't be a dick. He had a, sense of, he had a sense of urgency, but he was polite to her. So, well done. Appreciate it. When I was at the airport the last time, this whole scene made me think about it because I saw two separate incidences. I was at the airport for like 18 hours, guys. It was nuts. But two separate incidences where one person ran. I don't know where she came from. I don't know what side of the airport she came from. But she ran. By the time she got to the ticket counter, she was out of breath. And she was like, oh, my God, did they shut the doors? And the guy was like, yeah, they shut the doors. And she's like, oh, my God. And she was not angry at the guy she was angry at the situation so it was one of those things where it's like i can she had all of this energy and it just kind of exploded up and <laughs> not necessarily at the guy i appreciate it because it took her a few minutes to settle down and honestly once her husband walked up i guess he probably already assumed that they'd missed <laughs> the flight she was like it's that's closed we can't get on the, the plane but she wasn't angry at that guy however there was another incident on a flight that was boarding right next to me that some guy, mid-30s, maybe 40, with his family showed up and they didn't have their seats already or something. He was mad about everything. The plane hasn't hadn't boarded yet, but it was one of those situations where it was like, the person you're talking to is the person who can fix this if they want to at this point. Like, in the first situation, that guy couldn't fix anything. The, the doors were closed. And she was just like, oh, shit. So I'm going to explode up. And she did, and it was fine. But this, the second guy was like, why isn't this fixed for me? And I sat there and I was like, if I were behind the ticket counter right now, I would do everything in my power to make this even worse for you. <laughs> which is why I'm not in customer service anymore. Yep, so well done, Mulder. Yes. It really matters. My point is, it really matters how you treat people. I agree. The end. All right, meanwhile, Scully goes to her apartment and is met by X, who warns her to keep Mulder from getting on the train because the scientists on the train are aware of his presence. We know how they're aware. We don't know that it's the scientists who are aware. Just we just know somebody. that someone's aware. Okay. Somebody's tracking it. Scully says, why should I trust you? And then gets no answer and still calls Mulder anyway. Who has managed to drive ahead of the train and is just about to jump onto the train from a bridge. Despite Scully's pleas, Mulder jumps onto the train as it speeds away below. He asks her, who told you that? And she doesn't tell him. I know, it was really weird. Does she think it being X is going to make him not trust it? Because they had a falling out? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me why she would withhold that information. The shot where X is looking at her looks like if she tells him, he's going to shoot her. Oh, I didn't pick up on that at all. That would make sense. Why then? Because I didn't catch that. He didn't have his gun out, but the way that they shot him made it look menacing, like do not tell. I see. And we've already seen what X can do. Yes. So. <laughs> okay. X gonna give it to you. Yep. Right. <laughs> That's exactly what my brain did. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, 
I have one last bit of trivia that you're going to be super surprised about. Fantastic. That really is David Duchovny jumping out of the train at the climax of this episode. Oh, I know. I can tell. Oh, I thought you said you saw that it was his... When he climbs over the railing, it's a different guy. Oh. But when he jumps onto the train, it's Duchovny. It's wild. Here's the thing. Or here's an extra thing. The stunt took six weeks to set up. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a very dangerous thing. I actually just assumed that he was standing on top of a moving train and then jumped up. Ah. Uh, that's how I thought they did it. I actually didn't know that he jumped from the bridge to the train. Yeah, he apparently did that. Duchovny enjoyed his stunts in Ascension because that was before he had a stunt double yeah. so much that he wanted to do this. That's awesome. <laughs> I said Ascension, the episode we are now destined to mention in every episode because it's been the last three episodes. Oh, ha- oh wow. Funny. All right, so who are you shipping? I am shipping Betsy and healthcare. Yes. Like universal healthcare? I mean, that would be shipping everybody in healthcare, but for sure, Betsy needs good healthcare. Yeah. Who are you shipping? I didn't think about it, but I like your answer. Okay. How are you surviving? In this scenario, I feel like I'm not involved. No, you have to make yourself involved somehow. All right, so then I would be one of the women in the we now have cancer group because all the men have abducted us. Oh, so universal healthcare? That's how you survive? I guess universal healthcare is how I survive. And also, in the meantime, I'm also having this group of women that I can call at a, at the drop of a hat and to all show, show up. up at my house. You know how amazing it would be if you needed a group of people to just support you and they could all show up in 15 minutes? Wow. What a phone tree that is. Amazing. I've never had that in my entire life. I don't think anybody has. Well... That's how I'm going to survive. By okay. having a okay. fairy tale scenario. All right. I guess I'm going to survive by not jumping on the train. When well, Scully tells me don't jump on the train, I don't jump on the train. I guess we're going to find out what happens once you jump on the train. Next week. <laughs> the Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at CastFiles. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at TheCastFiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by Art. That's O-O-K-A-R-T. 